so often get such a bad rap. Oh, in entertainment. <laughs> yeah. Oh, in life as well. Well, yeah, for sure. But um, can we change that? I think uh, that's tough because I think you got a good mother and then you got no drama. Kiora, hello and welcome to this episode of Pine Oaks Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Duncan. And I'm also your host, Alison Horsley. And we're both dramaturgs, meaning we read a lot of plays. We've likely read the plays you feel you should have, but didn't. And that's where Pine Oaks comes in. And today, we are talking about the original bad mother yes. in Western drama, Mamma Mia, Medea. <laughs> Medea. Medea. Did you say Medea, Medea? I, I say Medea. Me too. But, okay. Yeah, that's okay. I must have just had my brain instead of wandering off into other pronunciations. But that's okay. Medea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just complicating it. So, the last two episodes, uh, we've been talking about Greek tragedy as well. Yes. And the two plays we talked about were Oedipus and Antigone. And they were by a guy called Sophocles. Yes. But this version of Medea, because remember the audience knew the story. Yes. This version was written by Euripides. Euripides. But he wasn't so crash hot successful in his lifetime, was he? No, interestingly, he was a little controversial. I, I, and that's believed to be because he wrote a lot more about women. He wrote a bit more socially conscious stuff. He had slaves in his plays who were smart. Like, he, he was a little edgier in a way. And, and this is sort of the context we're going to be looking at today, is that some people suspected he displeased the gods because of how he presented them. Yeah. And the character, Medea, she is descended from the gods. Yes, she is. And she does not behave well. She behaves very badly, but then she gets off totally okay in the end of the play. Yeah, we're going to get to that, that. how she gets off, because she really gets off. Not, and then, no, she gets off. Oh, Emily Duncan. No, 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 no. okay. It's a technicality thing. Okay. Okay. That's very true. All right. So we were going to start off talking a little bit about how the ancient Greeks viewed their gods. Yeah. And it was not like, um, I'm saying us, meaning us two sitting here, who, you know, grew up sort of like monotheistic cultures. There's one all-knowing god mm -hmm. who uh, were expected to be respectful towards. Gods were viewed differently in a sense you know they they were more flawed yeah fickle. yeah they had very human characteristics and often they represented kind of a, a the the um the personification of these basic characteristics the frailties the frailties yeah so a lot of the gods particularly the male gods were quite randy mm -hmm. uh so they would go down and impregnate various uh you know humans and so you have a lot of demigods as well a lot of angry people. women as well a lot of very angry Vengeful. women a lot of people who go to the afterlife um a lot of uh yeah gods sending other gods to the afterlife and and all that kind of thing in episode two where we talked about antigone we talked about the environment or setting in which these plays were presented, which was part of the city Dionysia. Big celebration in the city that went over months. Part of it was a play competition. And it was in honour of the god Dionysus, who I think of as the good time god. 
he's the good time guy. He's like the wine guy. He's the party guy. Party guy, messy, messy, fertility, blood, dirt, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and interestingly, what one notable thing about Medea is it didn't win the festival. It, it came in third, which was last. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, and yet we're still talking about it today. The character of Medea, I said, you know, she was descended from the gods. She's royalty. She was a princess. But also she is a foreigner in the context of the setting of the story of the play. Yeah. Yeah. So the play takes place in Corinth Mm -hmm. in Greece, but Medea is actually from Hulchish. Okay. I I looked it up and now I've butchered the name, but it's, it's essentially Georgia. Roughly. roughly Modern day shores of Black Sea. Yeah. Yeah. Black Sea, uh, where, where modern day Georgia is. So she's, so she's uh, ethnically also different from the Greeks. Mm -hmm. And so when, when we enter into the play, she, she already enters in as an outsider and she and Jason have come from He's this, an outsider from another outside. Yeah, yeah. So he had gone in search of the Golden Fleece, which... So um, Jason, he's that Jason of Jason and the Argonauts. Yes. Yeah, so he, he sought the Golden Fleece. She helped him get it using her magic. Mm-hmm. She left her homeland. They go she to, had to. Like, she caused yeah. real havoc. Oh, yeah, yeah. She really screwed over fell for her each people, other. basically. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so they fell for each other. They go to his homeland. She kind of tricks over some of his family by promising that she's going to do a spell. And and she kind of screws them over a little bit. So then they both and their kids get exiled to Corinth. So they're really dependent on the kindness of strangers. Just like Blanche Dubois. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, so they're in Corinth. Yes. And the play starts where we've got uh, these uh, two employees of the household mm-hmm. talking to each other. So it's like a, the progenitor or the ancestor, yeah. as it were, of the 19th century butler maid scene. Who which, give us the exposition, the backstory. Yes. Yeah, it's like, at. oh, what's going on with the master? Yeah. yeah. So we get that at the top of Medea. Mm-hmm. And Emily Duncan, what do we find out? We find out that despite all that Jason and Medea have been through together, <laughs> that he's now looking elsewhere. Uh, and he's actually betrothed to the daughter of the king, who is called, because you can't be confused enough, Creon. That's but he's right. not the same Creon as an Antigone and, and Oedipus. Oedipus, which was set in Thebes. Yeah, We're this now, is Creon of Corinth. Yeah, different Creon. Entirely different Creon but altogether. Still a king. Still a king. Uh, still problematic. Yes. Uh, still, well, and, and this time he has a daughter named Glocky. Yeah. Or Glossy, but I, I think she's Glocky. And as always, there's a chorus in this play as well. Yes. There's another point of difference. Yeah. The chorus is a chorus of women. Right. Of men playing women. women. Yes, because everyone was played by men. Yes. So it's a chorus of of quote-unquote women Mm -hmm. uh, who are in the play. Yes. And... So we learn we learn about Medea and Jason's situation. We've got a chorus of women. Uh, Creon banishes Medea 
and her kids because he's worried about what's going to happen yeah. because she's obviously upset that Jason is is now betrothed to Glocky, mm-hmm. to, to Creon's daughter. I'd be fair to say that Medea is a belligerent individual. She, yes, I think that's very fair to say. She's, is, she's kind of witchy as well. You know, she's she's just, super witchy. She got, she got the mad skills in terms of casting spells. Mm-hmm. She understands about potions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and she's also got that affiliation with, with Helios. So she, she got some fire as well, like mm-hmm. literally. Uh, <laughs> so we'll, we'll get into that as uh, too. Um, because we haven't built up to what she ultimately does. Right. Some people know. But before she gets to that point, and this is why the play is it's sometimes hailed as one of the earliest examinations of the psychology of a murderer. Yes. Because we get to see her plotted out. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, is it the king of Athens comes in? Uh, Aegeus. Aegeus. Yeah, yeah, Aegeus. And it just so happens he and his wife are wanting to have kids, can't have kids. And she says, essentially, I'll do a nice potion to help you have kids so long as you take me. Yeah. Yeah. So she... exiled. Yeah. So Medea starts plotting Jason's death. Mm -hmm. Well, actually not his death, but but she starts plotting revenge on Jason. Mm -hmm. And Aegeus just shows up and she's like, yep, I'll help you bear kids. I'll I'll whip up a drug for you. You just have to promise that when I come seeking asylum that you will take me, basically. And Aegeus is like, yep, totally. I'll totally take you. And so her first step in revenge, as a revenge on Creon as well, yeah, is she prepares a gift, yes, for her sons to present to her husband X to be, to his new wife bride to be, bride to be, yeah, as a kind of peace offering, yeah. laced with horrible, horrible things, and and it's a, it's a, a crown, it's it's a crown, crown. it's a diadem and a dress. And a dress. Just the sort of thing a new bride would love. Right, exactly. And so she so she sends her kids with this gift uh, to give to the to the bride to be. And uh, that gift is poisoned. Uh, it's like poisoned and damned, and there's a lot going on with mm-hmm. it. So it, it brings about uh, pretty much it brings about her like melting and catching on fire at the same time. And her father Creon runs to her rescue. Right. And then so then he kind of melts into the dress as well yeah. and also is lit. Dice as well. And it's it's a giant mess and it's a super, super painful death. And we should remind people at this point that while Greek drama mm. was uh very violent all the violence happened off stage. Yeah, so this is all relayed to us by a messenger who's explaining it. Yeah. So so nobody actually sees this on stage. But yeah, a messenger comes to, to reveal that. And I should mention, there is a wonderful scene between Medea and Jason, bef- like before she sends this gift over, where it is it is a classic, angry, now ex-partner fight, mm-hmm. basically, where he's like you got so much more from me than I got from you. And she's like, but I killed people and, you know, with my sorcery to help you get the fleece. And he's like, I don't care. And yeah, this whole... He's frankly racist. Well, he's he's racist, but also has some selective memory. And mm-hmm. so so Medea's angry that he isn't honoring their past. He feels like he's engaged to this new woman to benefit the whole family. Mm, I know. <laughs> I mean, this, the logic just... 
does not follow through with that. Yeah, yeah. So so that's so Medea has plotted this entire thing. So she so she kills slash melts <laughs> Glocky and and her father Creon. And Jason learns about this, obviously, and discovers the mess, comes back to the comes back to the to where Medea is, only to find that Medea has killed her children that, that she shared with Jason. Yes. And we've heard them screaming from off stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that happens. She has killed the children and she is flying off in a dragon pulled chariot. Now, last episode, we talked a bit about the staging. We talked about the theatron, uh, which our modern day word theatre comes from, the seeing place. That's where the audience sat, or 14,000 of them. Mm-hmm. The orchestra at the front, mm-hmm. uh, where the chorus would perform. Uh, the skeiny, or the backdrop, where the word scene comes from. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the pro skeiny, uh, where the term proscenium or proscenium arch comes from. But we didn't get to... The real kicker, spectacle piece, which is what, Alison Horsley? The Deus Ex Machina. Explain that. So that is a device known as a god from a machine. And so back in actual ancient Greek times, it referred to a a, a crane-like instrument that they would use, particularly to lower down gods into a scene, because, Mm -hmm. you know, polytheistic gods. So they lower the gods into a scene. At the end of Medea, the deus ex machina is used to lower, to pretty much raise her out uh, in this dragon fire chariot, chariot yeah. of sorts. And and of course, deus ex machina now... With, with the, 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 the boys' with bodies? The, with the, the dead boys, yeah, yeah, with the dead kids. So, so, so Jason doesn't even get to... Um, bury his no, kids. No, and he asks actually to touch them and she's yeah. like, nah. nah. <laughs> <laughs> I, me and the Sorry, dragons are out of here. Yeah, 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 you had your chance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they're they gone. Yeah. Uh so yeah. So and, and nowadays the Deus Ex Machina is known as as a as a uh, literary device of kind of um having something wondrous or magical or like a non sequitur occur in a play to get you out of a sticky situation. Yeah, and, and it could be quite contentious because it could seem like an easy out for, mm-hmm. you know, a theater. Yeah, a director for, for a, or a playwright, Miss yeah. Emily Dawson. Oh, how are we going to fix this? We'll just, we'll just whip them. Yeah, we'll have a god come in and be like, I'm going to fix this. And just, yeah. Uh, yeah like, it would have been amazing spectacle. Oh, so awesome. Yeah. Yeah, but as a result, she escapes punishment. Yeah. Because Medea g- flies off in her dragon chariot with, with the dead kids and doesn't have to face human or godlike punishment because she goes to she's presumably going to live in Athens under Aegeus's protection and i think that she's been protected God, he somewhat would have regretted by that promise oh my gosh right like how much does he want those kids mm-hmm. well yeah so but she's she's also being protected by the gods as is evidenced by the the fact that she gets out of there in the deus ex machina so she she does not get uh, she doesn't get the cosmic smackdown in in Medea that a lot of more traditional conservative folks might wish that she did. And this is potentially one of the reasons that Euripides lost the competition. That's right. Did not go down well. Now, Medea is a, obviously a very controversial, not easily likable yeah. character. She's vengeful. However, 
she's a part that many actresses would give their right arm to be able to play. Oh yeah, because she doesn't she doesn't accord to society's norms at the time. So you look at another character in the in the play, the other woman in the play is Glocky basically. I mean, mm. you've got the nurse as well who you meet in the beginning of the play, but but the other woman is Glocky who's like, "Woohoo, marriage. Woohoo, dress." You know, and and she's not she she's not a, a particularly deep character. Whereas you have somebody like Medea who's speaking out and saying, "Look, I'm this marriage has failed me. I'm older now. You're going to a younger model. I've born these kids." So she does everything that I think women, according to societal norms, are not supposed to do. She tries to hold on to Jason, mm-hmm. or she wants she wants to hold on to Jason. So that's kind of the only thing that she does that like is a, a, a fairly storybook thing. Like Antigone, there's some questions around whether she fulfills the conventions of what's expected of a Greek tragic hero. Right, yeah, which would have really made people mad. It, you know, again, talking about why Euripides didn't win this competition, that would have made people really mad. So uh, to th- recap, you know, the, the Greek tragic hero is someone who has to have a big fall. Uh-huh, yeah, they, they're a high status person. She she literally flies out of there. <laughs> right, yeah, she does the reverse of a fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's somebody who starts out, I mean, she's she's got a, a level of power, but certainly in this play, it's Creon again, mm-hmm. who's the most quote-unquote powerful person. And then otherwise, it's Jason who loses the most in the course of the play. I mean, it's somewhat... he has the recognition and the reversal. Yeah, he mm-hmm. has the recognition of, of, of the change of his circumstances and uh, of the reversal of fortune, where he loses, he basically loses his father-in-law and his bride-to-be. He may not have <laughs> any claim on, on leadership in this new country, because yeah. this isn't his country. He was marrying into the family. But now without that family, he may just have nothing what what he thought was his logic was truly truly flawed yeah yeah and and now he doesn't even have any progeny because medea flew off in a dragon chariot with his kid i just can't get enough of saying dragon chariot because <laughs> really who, who can but yeah so those and and it seems like those things of the reversal and recognition have almost happened for medea before the play has mm-hmm. started so that's why she's almost not like a normal tragic character. In, in those ways, yeah, that happens more to Jason in this play. Medea's been adapted many, many times and ways over the years, and which is a clear reason why the work still has such resonance. Oh, now. absolutely. Yeah, and it's, and it's something that I think speaks to people is this idea of revenge of a woman. Um, I mean, it's it's... Woman scorned. Of a woman scorned, yeah, and and who's willing to destroy, you know, so much. She's willing to destroy everything to get back at this guy because her honor, in in some ways, she's she's a bit like Antigone. Like, she's guarding her honor so fiercely that she's willing to sacrifice herself for it. But actually not, because she doesn't sacrifice herself. She sacrifices her kids, which is quite problematic. Oof. Oof, right? So whereas at least Antigone goes down with the ship, so to speak, Medea goes up with the dragon chariot. (laughs) And as always, we finish on our favorite parts of the play, which is, is, it's hard with this one. But I thought about with my playwright's hat on, something I really like um, is that we hear a lot about Medea before we see her. Now this might seem an odd thing to like, but this can be quite a tricky thing to pull off 
convincingly or effectively Mm -hmm. because the character has to live up to their reputation. Yeah, otherwise it's so disappointing. Yeah. And she absolutely lives up to her reputation and then some. Yes, she does. Alison, your favourite. I, well, I guess related to what I was saying earlier about her willingness to just destroy everything, I love that she has this one line where she says, let the whole house crash, where she's just going to take it all down and then fly out of there in a dragon chair. (laughs) 